My name is Jeremy Devins and welcome to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. And today is a summary of all 12 houses of Vedic Astrology. So I know a lot of people go back and listen to, so you might just be listening to this episode first before you go through the houses, and that's a great way to do it. Or you've listened to all of the house episodes already and you want a summary. Either way, I've created an awesome free guide and a mini training at quietmind.yoga/houses. So I've actually updated this from what I originally offered and mentioned in previous episodes. So now there's a four-page PDF you can download and a little video training and some journaling exercises you can do to assess your own 12 houses. So you can get that free guide right now at quietmind.yoga/houses. So if you are new to this or have listened to all the episodes, either way, I'm going to get into briefly an overview of all of the houses. So just speaking to complete beginners, maybe you've only heard about astrology and your sun sign and the zodiac and you know you're like a Taurus sun sign, right? And if you go back and listen to previous episodes, you'll know there's so much more depth to that. And I don't want to overwhelm you with information here. I just want to keep it real simple and focused on what are the 12 houses. So in general, the main essential thing for everyone to know about the houses is that 1 through 12, there's 12 houses, is very similar and almost synonymous with the 12 zodiac signs. Because the houses represent areas of the sky that the zodiac represents. So the first house is in many ways similar to the first sign of Aries. So it's your appearance and what people look at you and they see usually your face first and your appearance and your personality. And Aries is represented by the head and initiating and starting things in the first house starts and sets the tempo for your whole life in the rest of your birth chart. The second house, similar to Taurus, can be related to food that you enjoy. It can be related to your family and wealth. People with a lot of Taurus energy tend to have a strong sense of family, usually good wealth. And these are examples, right? So just getting very basic and essential, right? So if you go to that free guide, I'm going to go into more depth on that and how you can look at it. And there's a really cool layout I've made that shows everything I've talked about over these past 10, 12 episodes and the main points and the real essential. So you can just glance at it. And if you know nothing about astrology before this, you'll know something about the 12 houses after this. So the first house, as I mentioned, going 1 through 12 here, first house, that's where you look at to understand the body, the physical body, the appearance, the personality. And generally, when I talk about astrology and when people talk about Vedic astrology, a lot of times they're talking about what's your rising sign. So you may be familiar, again, with the sun sign astrology in Western astrology, it's a big focus on the sun. In Vedic, it's a big focus on the moon and the rising sign. And when you look at transits and what's going on through different, uh, like right now, if you looked at the where the planets are right now, you'd want to look at how that relates to your, from looking at your rising sign first and then looking at your moon sign in the first house. So the first house is very significant and it, it places everything else in your chart. So this is your self, your personality, your appearance, the body. That's the first house. The second house is what you have beyond that. So you basically can imagine the first house, you come into this physical life, this physical body, you, you 
form, this physical body. And then the second house is like now, so where do you grow up in? And where does this body come into being? And what family are you a part of? And what does your voice sound like when you start to express from that physical body? And does your family have a lot of wealth or no wealth? What's your background? Do you have a lot of siblings, no siblings? What kind of food do you eat to sustain this body? This is the second house. The third house is now moving into your expression and writing and your communication. So you have this body and this voice and this foundation of family. But now what do you do with that? And this is their short trips from the home, your early education, uh, your writing skills, your hands. People with strong third houses tend to be great communicators and tend to use their hands to communicate and love journaling. The fourth house. So now what does your home look like? What's your mother like? What culture in general are you growing up around? What are your emotions like as you move through this world? What kind of cultural things have you been uh, conditioned towards? And this can be represented by the fourth house. Also the home that you create for yourself later in life. Then the fifth house, as you move out of the home and out of education and be, to being an adult and starting to create things in the world, and this is your published works and speculative gains and starting to uh, pursue different things and see what happens. This is the good karmas that you've created and you get the results of those good karmas. Maybe in past lives, if you follow that and believe that in Vedic astrology, that is part of the belief sort of structure of Vedic astrology. Uh, but I don't get too much into that. Uh, but this can represent children, working with children, having children, if you decide to do that. And then the sixth house, the bottom left triangle, is the health, your enemies, your day-to-day -day routine. So if you have a lot of enemies, no enemies. You have good health, challenges with health. What kind of day-to-day -day activities are going on in your life? Like if you have a benefic planet here and a strong emphasis here, I uh, see a lot of doctors and people who work in health fields uh, work uh, have a lot going on in their sixth house. Maybe it's also working with underprivileged populations and people without as many resources. This bottom area of the, the chart tends to represent uh, more the sort of lower areas of the world. And this doesn't mean negative, but you know the kind of people, maybe homeless people or underserved populations or Populations that are not so much like up in the spotlight, like the 10th house. This is the 6th house, right? So more in the 8th house as well as this sort of like deeper, what's under the surface kind of stuff. Then we move into the 7th house, the bottom diamond, and that's your relationships. And again, if you know anything about Libra, Libra is about balance and relationships and harmony is very important to Libra. And the similar qualities with the 7th house, similar to Libra. So this is any sort of commitments and contracts that you make with a partner so partnerships marriage and committing to a relationship also business and this is maybe a common misunderstanding about the seventh house but it's related to commerce and transactions and you know finding a balance of what's fair for me what's fair for you and negotiating that balance which is what relationships are really all about of course and that's also what commerce is all about the eighth house, that bottom right triangle. This is, again, the sort of underbelly of things, the secrets, the mystical, the occult, conspiracies, deep research going under the surface, also transformation. And it's also associated with death. And this is not a bad thing, but this is like ego death or transformations, 
every time you practice yoga, if you practice yoga, what's at the end of every class? It's corpse pose. It's death. It's the end. And it's practicing in one of my early teachers who taught me a ton about Vedic astrology. He said yoga is really about preparing to die, which I always thought was kind of morbid, but it definitely stuck with me. And I get what he means now later in life. That, okay, it's about being able to let things go and being able to transform and have a transformational process and practice like yoga or meditation or whatever practice you have. And if you don't have that, which I didn't earlier on in life, and I have a lot of eighth house stuff going on in my, my chart. So that manifested as a lot of chaos and upheaval and transformation that wasn't so pleasant or intentional. But as I got into more meditation, yoga, and occult stuff like astrology, that's sort of like under the surface, hidden, kind of in the, the back corner of the library, uh, that whole, you know, the things that are sort of under the surface that like, oh, I don't know about that stuff. And there's people who get into it and it's like this whole underbelly in this whole world. As I got more into that and those positive expressions of my eighth house, the transformation is much more positive and the deaths are much more positive. And I'm not losing things as much as I'm allowing things to move and letting things go. And it feels much more positive and intentional. The ninth house, this this right, lower right triangle this is related to the father religion long trips right so now you've kind of gone through this life cycle from birth to marriage and partnerships even if you're not married to doing deep research and transformational work and transforming through partnerships as we all do to now the sort of authority figures and really understanding and getting more structure and uh, maybe going out and traveling maybe doing pilgrimages maybe doing spiritual retreats, things like this. Uh, the religion, beliefs, spirituality. If you have a strong ninth house, you probably have pretty strong religious beliefs. Or if you have some malefic energy going on there, maybe you have some challenges with spiritual beliefs. And maybe you push back against it. Right, again, just looking at this one basic thing of what does the what do the houses mean? What does the chart mean without looking at so much of the planets or the signs or any other activity? Just in general, talking about what each house means. So that can be the father, or it could be a loss of father, or separation from father. It could be a really good loving father. It could be a close relationship to the father. And any sort of father figure, teachers, gurus, religion, beliefs, and then traveling long distances. And if you notice, you may notice a sort of pattern here, especially if you look at the actual visual with the PDF download. There's some opposites going on. So the third house is opposite the ninth house. The third house is short trips. The ninth house is long trips. There's a lot of that kind of play going on in the chart as well. The tenth house is about the highest point of the sun in the day. So like high noon, everything's illuminated in the light. And this is like when you are most illuminated in your light, in your fame, what people know you for your career, and what do you do with much of your waking life is what we do in our careers, right? Also, this can be authority figures and government and anything that's sort of like a, a structure. So 10th house is similar to the 10th sign of the zodiac of Capricorn. So if you know anything about Capricorn, how it tends to represent structures and like a groundedness and a stability, the 10th house can be those things as well and things like government that are like slow 
structures that take a long time to change and grow in your career tends to be a long developing process like Capricorn, but it gives great rewards with great patience and great time investment and hard work, which are all very Saturnine qualities, which rules the sign of Capricorn. But again, not getting too far off in tangents, just knowing that the 10th house is about career, fame, what people recognize you for. For example, if you have like the moon in the 10th house, this is the moon is like the emotions and the mind. And an interesting thing that happens, like people with the moon in the 10th house, people just every time people interact with them, it's like, I think I've met you before. You look familiar because uh, the moon is like maternal. It's their mother. It's the emotions. It's the mind. And it's in the house of fame. So there's this sort of familiarity, this maternal quality that people with the moon in the 10th house can have where people just sort of feel like they know them and recognize them. And there's a familiarity there. Or if you have, for example, like the sun in the 10th house, huge spotlight, like people see you and they recognize you for your career, depending on what the career is. But people see you and there's a big spotlight on you. Maybe you're a leader, maybe you're highly productive and uh, there's sort of a star like the sun in your 10th house in your career. Maybe uh, you stand out in that way. And I see that with people with like sun and Rahu in the 10th house. They're like the... Like uh, I see this with like salespeople who go out and they put themselves out there and people know them and they are high performers and people respect and recognize them. The sun does really great in the 10th house. So again, just examples. And then the 11th house, that top right triangle, this is what you gain from your career and the work that you do in the world and your peers that you meet through your work and the networking that you do through your work and people you meet and opportunities and resources that are given to you from what you've accumulated and accomplished. People with a strong 11th house tend to have great wealth and really nice things and really enjoy those things. And this is what you gain from the career. So this is more uh, less speculative gains, right? So again, noticing that opposite of the 5th to the 11th house. So 5th house is more like speculative gains. Uh, not sure if you're going to make your return on investment. The 11th house is pretty sure thing. So if there's a strong influence there, strong planets, it's pretty sure like that's going to be a pretty strong in income, pretty strong gains from career, pretty strong network, social circles, resources, people that you can reach out to for help and people that maybe you help. Then the 12th house is that top right triangle pointing down. This is the moksha house, liberation, transformation. This also represents, can represent occult studies, but it's like Pisces. And you know a little bit about Pisces, about imagination. And this is where you can see representative of dreams and sleep. Maybe you have sleep issues or not. Maybe you have really crazy out there dreams or no dreams at all. The 12th house can help you understand that. Also, pleasures of the bed is the sort of traditional way of talking about sexual relationships. So you can see that from the 12th house, a lot of activity there, strong sexual energy in that person, no energy there, less sexual drive in that person. Foreign lands as well. So if you're going to go, not just like travel short trips, not just travel long trips like across the country, but foreign lands like all the way across the world, like the other side of the world, that sort of stuff is going to be represented by the 12th house, especially when you look at transits and see what's going on there. And this is one that can also represent losses 
and significant losses. So if you've got a lot of planets piling up in your 12th house, like when I'm recording this, I know a lot of people listen to these when they go up live more so than any other time. So if you've got um, right now, so you're a Capricorn rising, so you've had uh, all these planets in Sagittarius, and in late December 2019, a lot of stuff going on in Sagittarius. That's your 12th house. So if you're a Capricorn rising or Capricorn moon, you want to make sure you're doing your spiritual practices and experiencing this sort of moksha liberation, this detachment uh, to avoid having things taken away from you and the loss and the suffering that can go with that. Of course, all suffering is an inside job and a result of our beliefs, but you can work with this 12th house energy in a positive way, or it can kind of take over in a really challenging way. And I've seen this a lot with the 12th house where it can lead to losses of property, cars, finances, computers. You know, you want to be real careful when there's a lot going on in your 12th house. And that means for the Aquarius risings out there, or the Aquarius moons, you're about to have a lot going on in your 12th house in 2020, because that's going to be, your, for you, Aquarius rising, Aquarius moon, that's uh, Capricorn is in your 12th house, and all this stuff is going on in Capricorn in 2020. So you're going to want to make sure either you're going on like retreats to foreign lands, or you're meditating regularly, doing things like yoga that's like uh preparing to die <laughs> and i say that you know with a sort of morbid sense of humor but intentional loss intentional loss and transformation maybe like i saw a friend who's doing this uh, minimalist challenge she's getting rid of one thing more a day so day two she gets rid of two things day three she gets rid of three things by day 30 she's giving rid getting rid of 30 things Something like that is a great way to work with this energy of loss of the 12th house when you have a lot going on there, especially in transits or in your birth chart. If you got it in your birth chart, though, you're, I'm probably preaching to the choir. You probably understand what it's like to lose things and the challenge that can go with that. And you've probably found ways to adapt, like doing spiritual practices or having some sort of faith or religious belief or some sort of guidance and support through that counseling, therapy, meditation practices, journaling practices, something that helps you work with this 12th house because it can be very positive and it can be very challenging as with anything in any of these houses. All right, so that's the summary again through the 12 houses, one through 12. And if you want to follow along with this and look at your chart and just have a quick glance reference guide, you can go to quietmind.yoga slash houses and get that free download and free guide. And I'll actually walk through that with you in a video to explain it a little more in depth but the idea here is that you can go and get your chart but you can get your free chart at astro sage website or the app astro sage is a great one there's other ones out there but they all can kind of get kind of confusing and some of them are not accurate they use a different sort of uh, timetable to measure their charts so astro sage or you can schedule a reading with me at quietmind.yoga astrology where I'll look at your whole chart holistically and walk through all of this stuff with you to explain what it means because you've really got to understand it holistically. What I gave you today is just that quick glance reference to know, okay, if there's a lot going on in my first house, it's probably a lot of stuff related to big emphasis on me, myself, my personality, my body. 
and building on it from there. So not trying to figure it all out, not needing to know everything about everything in the chart, but just knowing this one thing, what the houses generally mean, are there a lot of planets there, are there no planets there, that can tell you quite a bit about a chart. It's not going to be 100% accurate because there's so many other influences, but this is one great starting point and essential to reading a chart. So if you found this helpful, please leave a review. It helps a lot with uh, Apple Podcasts and people finding this. Their algorithm is really dependent on the reviews more than anything else. So leave a review, leave a rating, share it with a friend, and check out quietmind.yoga where I host retreats. If you're listening to this live, I've got a retreat coming up on January 17th that you can do online or in person for one or three days. January 17th to 19th outside of Austin, Texas. That's mindfulnewyear.com. And then I'm going to be talking about the whole year overview for every moon sign slash every rising sign. So you can look at your chart for your moon and your rising sign and get a sort of coordinates for what to focus on for the next year. Like I mentioned for the Capricorn and Aquarius, some specific things. I'll get into very specific things for all the signs in the Mindful New Year course. Again, you can just do the online version and get all of the training and the guide and overview of yoga practices, meditation practices, mantras, things you can do to work with these energies through the year, as well as more guidance on applying Ayurveda, yoga, and meditation throughout the year. All right, so thank you for listening and hope you have a great rest of your week and look forward to sharing more with you soon.